Let me pray with you. Dear God, thank you so much for sending us the gift we needed so badly in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Often it's hard for us to grasp this reality. You even take steps of faith and belief to understand it because you are beyond our understanding. So I pray that today for everyone gathered here, as we contemplate some of these thoughts now about Easter and try and understand these truths, that you bring them home to us. Each and every person here, I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, Easter, quite obviously, is about life and death. More specifically, it's about life after death. And not just the fact that Jesus raised from the dead, and he was alive after his death, but the reality that you and I can live after we die. Do you remember the story in the Bible, John chapter 11, when Jesus' best friend, Lazarus, died and he had two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they called for Jesus to come. And Lazarus had been in the tomb for several days, and Martha saw him coming and ran to him, Jesus, Jesus, if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Remember what Jesus said to her? Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Wow, what a promise to her. What a promise to all of us. In fact, the next thing he said to her is, do you believe this? And I would ask you the same question. Do you believe this? Part of our misunderstanding sometimes is we don't understand death. You know, in the Bible, death never means annihilation. It never means that you become nothing. Never. Death always means separation. Just like the Bible teaches that when you die, your body is separated from your soul. Your soul goes to an eternal place of heaven or hell. But your body goes into the grave. That's the teaching of Scripture. In fact, the idea of separation has everything to do with death in the Scripture. Has everything to do with separation. And it means there's a death between you and God. Did you know the Bible teaches you can be dead and still breathe air? They call it dead in your trespasses and sins. Because of our infractions against God, our sins, we're separated from God. There's a distance between us and Him. But the Scriptures tell us, and that's what we celebrate at Easter time, that Jesus raised from the dead. It gives us hope. You know, our only hope, as I, as I, as I put in my big idea of the sermon, is because of Jesus, there is hope for your life. The problem is this. Many times people miss... They misunderstand, or they don't get the understanding at all of what this is about. Jesus died on the cross, and Jesus rose from the dead. For me? I don't get it. How does that connect? How does that make sense? Well, today I'm hoping to answer that question for you. For you. Just for you. So you can understand what that has to do with your life even your eternal life. In three simple points, I'm hoping to bring this across. And the first thing you need to understand, the number one thing that the Bible hopes you understand, that God reveals to us to understand is this. Our God is a holy God. Holy. You need to understand holy. Holy is used 600 times in the Bible, that word, to describe who God is. It's his number one characteristic. God is holy. And the reason we often don't understand this thing, especially in our days, our culture has no clue of holy. Nothing's considered sacred or holy hardly at all anymore. 
We don't understand the otherness, the holiness. Holy means pure. It means lack of, there's no immorality. Uh, There's no injustice. Everything's right. Everything's true. Often to understand holy, you know me, I, I like visual aids. I'm a visual learner, so I'll show you one. To me, holy is like this ribbon. Holy is a straight line. Straight line. No deviation. No no hint of dishonesty. No breath of wrong motives. Everything's moral. Everything's correct. Everything's perfectly straight. So when it uses this term straight, this term holy to describe God, you and I need to understand He is completely holy, completely just. There is no wrong. There is no wrong thought. There is no wrong feeling. God, the Scripture teaches very clearly, is holy. It's His, like I said, chief number one characteristic. This is important for us to understand. But, as we all know, our world is not too holy, right? Uh, in fact, all the reasons there's wars, all the reasons, according to Scripture, there's people who lie and people who are deceptive and people who are dishonest and people who are so full of pride and ego. The reason there's, there's disagreements and there's hardships and there's disease and there's sickness is all because it's a variation from the line a variation from the straight line of holiness. That's what Scripture teaches. Holiness is what holds the universe and the world together because a holy God made it, and it exists by His holiness. Do you understand that concept? That's really important for you to understand. He's holy. And the problem is, we're not. That's the second point I wanted to teach you. First, you need to know God's holy. Secondly, you need to know us as people, we're not holy. I'm sure that's not a surprise to you, but there is dishonesty. There is covetousness. The scripture teaches in, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the scripture said. In fact, that's actually a quote from the Old Testament. So it's Old Testament and New Testament. All have sinned and fall short of his holiness. No one's perfect, but God is. No one's moral, but God's completely moral. No one's just, but God's completely just. And the whole thing that causes disturbance in the world is injustice and immorality and dishonesty and untruth, lack of truth and lies. That's because we as people are. In fact... The Bible goes on in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 14, to say, because of unholiness, no one will see God. For the, un, the, the holy, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Oh, man, we're in trouble. No one will see the Lord. In fact, I like to use another visual aid. This line represents us. Yeah, not, not too straight, not too holy, exactly. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Without holiness, no, no one will see God. Right. Well, then we got a big problem here. What are we going to do? We're like this. Oh, you're going to try. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be better. And we try and be straight. But it always pops back. And the worst thing about this whole situation is this. Listen to me closely. You can do nothing about it. Nothing. 
What you did in the past, you did in the past. Was it a lie? Was it dishonest? Was it lacking truth? Well, the ulterior motives? Yes, nothing you can do. I remember, I just went to a funeral this week of a family member, and I remember when I was 30 and my dad suddenly died, I got a phone call. Dad's gone. I wasn't prepared for it. We went home. I went to the funeral, and I'm at the funeral. And there's a lady there that I'd known since I was a toddler. She lived just down the street from our parents. She had kids about my age. She was often a substitute teacher in our school. She had, you know, the glasses with a chain around the hang around your neck, you know, just like a librarian or something. That was Her name was Muriel Timpson. I'm at the funeral for my dad. Muriel Timpson is coming by, and I start talking with her about how sad I am. Oh, if I'd have known. You know, my dad was so healthy and strong. I didn't know. I mean, just boom, he's gone like that. I wish I'd have been around more. I wish I'd have spent more time with him the last couple of years. And Muriel, like I said, she's like a teacher. She had been even my substitute teacher in school. Looks me in the eye and says, Marty, I never forgot this. Marty, you can't saw sawdust. And I'm thinking, she's using this analogy, this imagery, this metaphor to try and help me understand that what's in the past is in the past. You can't change it. What's done is done. No matter how good you want to be in the future, you can't saw sawdust. Sorry, that's who you are. Well, now we got a big dilemma because you're unholy, and without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Well, now what? I know. I could cry out to God and say, God, let me just explain to you. I didn't really want to be bad. I've been trying to be really good. Oh, Lord, listen, have mercy on me, please. I understand you're a loving God. So being a loving God, can't you just... And what would God say? No, that would be out of line. I only do things in line. Sorry, you're out. Every human being faces that because all of us are not holy. Well, now what? God says, well, there is another way. What if I, and this is the third point, what if I decided as a straight liner to come to earth and take on your crookedness and I went to the cross and died on the cross for your crookedness. Because I'm a straight liner, I could take it on. And, and you're buried with me. And you're raised with me. This is why I say, in Christ is our only hope. Did you know there's a passage of Scripture that teaches that most clearly? In fact, a theologian once told me, if you want to sum it up, Marty, it's in one verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. And God made Jesus, who knew no sin, straight liner, to be sin on our behalf so that we could become a straight liner, the righteousness of God in Him. We call it the good news because this is basically telling us all of us can do this now. We can be a straight liner? Yeah, if you're in Christ. Only if you're in Him. You couldn't do anything about it, but He came to earth and did something about it for you. Well then, Marty, how do, I, how do I get me, like this condition, into him? And like you heard about Tehran Pierce Reed, the story that was just on here, he's becoming a straight liner from being really crooked. How does this happen? Because God starts making you holy, giving you holy desires, giving you... That's why Christians call being born again. Something's happened in me because I'm in him. It's changed me. Well, how do I get this to happen then? How can I 
Get into him. John 3.16 For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes, believes in him. Whoever believes in him. Belief is the key to eternal life. Belief is the key to being a straight liner. Belief is the key to being holy in God's sight. Without belief, you're still here. Our culture teaches what in our day? It teaches, you know what? You need to identify who you are and then be you and be the total you, the most you you can possibly be and don't let anybody tell you any different. And I'd say, what do you have after you've done that? That's what you got. Nothing. You're still crooked. But if you'll give up being you, say, my identity is not in me. I'm in Christ. I believe Jesus is my only hope. So that your belief is what makes the difference. And you take your belief in him, and Jesus takes you and does what? He puts you on the cross. He puts you right on the cross with him. So that when he died, you died. When he was buried, you were buried. When he was raised, you were raised. In fact, the scriptures in the book of uh, Romans calls it, you've been raised to a newness of life. He starts making you like himself, holy. You can be a straight liner. It's all about belief, folks. Your belief. I remember a theologian once telling me, he says, Marty, people don't understand this belief thing. It's not like a wishful thought or wishful thinking or just pretending. It's an embracing of the reality revealed in Scripture that you can be in Jesus. And Jesus can be in you. You can be together. And that's what it means to go to heaven, the ultimate of being with the Lord. Wow! No wonder we celebrate Easter. But it's all about us being in Christ. Would I'm hoping that right now I can pray with you and you can make this a reality for yourself. You can begin this. Prayer is an act of faith. It's where you make your faith real and you come to grips with who Jesus is and you actually talk to God and say, Lord, make me one with you. Make me in Jesus. I'd like you to affirm that. Maybe you've affirmed it before or you could reaffirm it. If you've never understood it before, today you finally understand, you, you want to affirm it, I can help you do that right now in prayer. Bow with me. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you recognizing that it's our belief, it's our trust, it's our dependence on Jesus that truly saves our soul, changes our mind, changes our heart, and renews us. Now, if you're understanding that, why don't you come to Jesus right now and say, Oh, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to now start to make me into the person you want me to be, like you did for Tara, like you've done for Pierce Reed, and done for thousands of others in this church. Now I come to you, asking you to be my Savior. As I now don't try and structure my own identity, but realize I'm a Christian I trust in Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Make me into the person you want me to be. Maybe you're reaffirming that on this Easter like you should do every Easter for the hundredth time. Maybe it's for the first time. But in either case, may God bless you to grow in that understanding as he makes you holy like him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.